Welcome back to the MH Connections podcast, everyone. Uh, this is Andre from Mental Health, and I'm here with Paul Ramchandani, who a lot of you will know, of course. He's Professor of Play in Education, Development and Learning at the University of Cambridge. Hi, Paul. How are you doing? Hi, I'm fine. Thanks very much, Andre. So that was a really great talk, a kind of whistle-stop tour of prevention and early intervention in youth mental health, and you covered so much ground. Um, one of the things that you said in your talk that I think was particularly engaging people on Twitter was some of the perils to early intervention you know prevention and early intervention is the buzzword now isn't it in mental health and you know Matt Hancock has jumped on the prevention bandwagon and this is great mm-hmm. but yeah. you highlighted some of the real areas that we need to think carefully about um, in terms of how we invest. I mean to start with the opportunity is huge and I think people are are recognizing that and they're responding to that that the chance to prevent or to reduce the burden of mental health by intervening early in children's lives, it seems so obvious a thing to do that people, are, in essence, are just trying, are throwing, throwing ideas or throwing money at it. And that could be a really good thing. But as with all areas of health practice, the critical thing is that we use those resources and we use that money right. And that was one of the things I was trying to draw attention to. There's also, I think, still a bit of an underlying belief that if we use psychological approaches, they, they seem so user-friendly <laughs> and so nice that we can't possibly be doing any harm by doing them. But we know from other areas of practice that if we use the wrong intervention at the wrong time, there is scope to do harm. So what I was trying to draw attention to is that actually there is a fantastic opportunity, but there are perils if we don't do it right. And thinking just about a few of those, um, one of them is that we one of them is that we can lose... Uh, we lose effective interventions as they translate to different contexts. So just because something seems to work really, really well in one setting doesn't necessarily mean it was going to work well in another. And one example of that has been that's played out over the last few years has been the nurse-family partnership or the family-nurse partnership. And it's an ongoing story. We haven't got all the answers yet. But this is an intervention that's been shown to be so effective in the United States by David Olds and his team in terms of improving life chances for children that it really was a great idea to try and bring it over to the UK. But what's come out of the first trial of it anyway is that it didn't seem to be any more effective than standard health visiting um, in, in the UK context. Now that, that work's still being developed and there are lines of inquiry which seem really promising but it illustrates that just because something works somewhere when we try and r- introduce that into routine practice the effects can disappear and we've seen it with other trials as well. Um, so that, that's that's one example. Yeah, absolutely. That's really interesting. So I guess what's happening with that example? I'm interested in sort of finding out a little bit more about that. Is that a, a case where we're doing that intervention without the evidence already? Or are we really kind of waiting for reliable UK-based research before we kind of roll that out in this country? Well, it's been a really interesting story, and I'm outside that story, so there are bits of it that I don't know. But what I've seen from the outside is that this intervention has been rolled out because it seems so promising and I I think the evidence base probably was strong enough to to do that but at the same time people had the wisdom to think about evaluating it in this context. So quite why it's not worked in the UK isn't crystal clear. One of the different big differences is in the US the comparison services are pretty minimal whereas in the UK we have uh, an established health fitting service so it may be that we're just not able to show benefit over and above what we have already. But the the team behind that have taken, I think, a really interesting approach and said, okay, this hasn't seemed to show any benefit in the trial. Let's try and get behind that. Let's try and unpick it. Let's try and adapt what we do to really work for the families here. And there's a long ongoing programme of work that's adapting and 
reassessing that. So that, that's work that's ongoing, and it'll be interesting to see how that resolves. And I think it's a useful approach to take, not necessarily... We tend to, we tend to be quite black and white in terms of um, how we think about evidence in the general population. So people will often say, as you know, things are evidence-based or they're not evidence-based, not there's evidence that it may work in some ways in this context, but actually we need to think a bit hard about how it might work in another context. So I really admire the kind of approach that's been taken to get beyond that black and white because life's more complicated than that. Yeah, that's not a newspaper headline, is it? So <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so one of one of the other points you made was about interventions uh, working, but then those effects getting washed out over time. Can you give us an example of that? So that's that's thinking about the problem that's kind of common to a lot of science that um, that interventions if bubble to the surface when there when there's been a paper that shows something really interesting. Um, so you'll get the initial studies showing great effects um, but then over time more people study it they study it in different contexts and you get a succession of papers with smaller and smaller effects um, and we've seen that with CBT over, over time there's still a beneficial effect of cognitive behaviour therapy but it's lower than the original studies found um, and we see that with uh, parent-infant psychotherapy that initial studies seem really really promising but the latest systematic review in 2015 showed overall that the effects weren't really clearly distinguishable from either other treatments or, or no treatment, which is really disappointing for an intervention like that. And again, I hope the same process I hope the same process will evolve because it doesn't mean that there's nothing in it and there are some gems of practice that seem really sensible and useful um, that we can extract. It's about ad- adapting and developing and having other models of testing as well. Mm. Not to diminish the randomised control trial, it's a, it's a good way of assessing things, but there may be other approaches in terms of extracting what might work where that need different kinds of research approaches. Mm. You also highlighted a real lack of evidence for prevention in mental health. Where do you think that's the biggest? Um, I think around, probably around emotional disorders. In, in behavioural disorders, we've got a number of series of trials for forms of parent parent group intervention that seem to work going down to quite young ages so down to four three or four years old Um, but when we think about preventing later emotional problems like anxiety or depression it's quite difficult to get really clear signals of risks and have interventions that can tackle those so I think that's an area which hopefully we'll see evidence developing both in terms of our understanding of what are the early risks for depression that we might characterize but also what we might do about them yeah, absolutely. And who's doing that work at the moment, do you think? Um, well, there's interesting work being done in Reading by Cathy Cresswell, thinking about anxiety, and that's one of the quite strong precursors of later depression, so looking at school-based and, other, and family interventions going earlier. So I think that's an area where I hope we'll see some promising findings over the next few years. Yeah. You've also been somebody who speaks a lot about fathers, um, and that's sometimes that something that doesn't get covered very much in mental health research. Interventions often focus on specific solutions and often focus on mothers. So what's the importance of fathers in all of this? Well, it sits in a wider picture of trying to make sure that we do the, the best things. So we need a multifaceted approach. I think if we're serious about early intervention and prevention, we need to intervene at all kinds of levels. So mother, father, the wider family and wider societal and school levels. And one of the things that for me, it's still a bit of a mystery that's been overlooked, is that we have small bits of evidence that if we're looking at interventions with very young children, say 0 to 3, that interventions that engage both parents seem to seem to have much stronger effects than interventions that just engage mums. Now, there's not very much evidence around that, and there are caveats around the evidence that there is, but there's enough to at least suggest that it's really worth trying. 
Now, there are some practical and there are some, I think, philosophical kind of trade issues around that, that our schools of psychotherapy have always been focused on the mother-child relationship, often neglecting the father-child relationship. Training is often around, when they say parent-infant psychotherapy, it's really often meaning mother-infant psychotherapy. And there are practical um, challenges to engaging dads if they're out at work in more traditional families if dads aren't around so much or just getting both parents in the same place at the same time is a challenge and obviously some families there aren't a mum and a dad so there are some kind of legitimate challenges but the promise of actually being able to have stronger effects in our treatment to me overrides those in many cases and we have to be sensitive to different family structures but we should at least be trying to develop the most effective interventions that we can and to me when it's thinking about parents that involves engaging anyone who's in a parent role whether that's a mum and a dad or mum and a different partner or other family members in other family structures. Mm-hmm.